Imagine building a more successful hypnosis business just in the next 10 days. To learn how, please visit worksmarthypnosis.com and take the 10-day hypnosis business challenge. Yours free today. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Here we go with session number eight, an interview with Ron Esslinger. This is Jason Lynette here with Work Smart Hypnosis. I want to first of all take a quick moment and thank all of you who have been sharing feedback and reaching out to me directly in terms of the feedback of this program. You know, it's interesting that most of the feedback I've been receiving is that, wow, that just takes a lot of effort, a lot of energy, and a lot of dedication to the project. And I'd reference ahead of time that this project is only possible thanks to a lot of the same business strategies that I've shared elsewhere by batching tasks, by focusing efforts, and just by systematizing what I do. That's what makes this all possible. And that does link directly back to Ron Esslinger here in this interview today. A couple of years ago, I got to spend some really, really amazing time with Ron at his office out in Clinton, Tennessee. And to be in the environment. You'll hear these stories on the interview, but to be in the environment where it's not just about dollars for hours, it's not just about the client comes in and that being the only sole source of what we do. You're going to hear Ron talking about corporate contracts, government contracts, and then we'll transition over to what he's best known for, which is pain management, hypnosis for the relief of pain. Um, I had some specific questions that I wanted to get Ron talking about and Oh man, did he cover them and even more. Uh, there's a lot of resources that popped up as a part of this conversation, specific books and videos, and head over to worksmarthypnosis.com. Just do a search in the uh, top right border there for uh, Ron Esslinger, and that'll take you directly to the session notes of this interview today. But specifically, some free downloads from his website, as well as some specific books and a wonderful documentary that he references that, uh, well, thanks to Ron, I share this documentary with probably most of my clients as well. And even in the certification classes that I teach, this is one of the videos that I share just as soon as possible that just sets the stage for a very successful hypnotic training experience. The other thing I wanted to share, and not to make this a commercial, but it's something that I think should be in the library of nearly every hypnotist out there. Ron does teach his pain certification class live, but also it is available as a multiple DVD set, wonderfully produced, fabulous information, and we'll put the links to that on the website as well. So again, head over to worksmarthypnosis.com, find the session notes for this one, session number eight, an interview with Captain Ron Esslinger. I think some of the things we're up with is new books, new reading, new products, uh, looking at how we can move deeper into understanding how people think, how they work, how they talk in order to help them change the basics of how they think. And that's helped us a lot. We've uh, we're, we're, I've got a, a book I'm getting ready to publish. Actually, I've got about four books that are just ready for me to poop and edit a little bit and then get out on the market. Just finished a new uh, uh, 
program not to do with pain, but we just finished a group weight management program that we videotaped and getting that put together, uh, being produced. Getting ready big time for, of course, going up to the guild. Don't talk on something new this year, which is a risk always, because when you get out of what people consider to be your niche area, uh, they figure you don't know anything about anything else. But hmm. here we're going to be talking on a 20-minute talk, how to do a 20-minute talk. And the idea is, what do you say? How do you get up to uh, a luncheon or a breakfast club and you get them entertained but also allow them to know uh, that you're available, what you do, what you work on without being a salesman? Uh, and, and, and the rules that are guided by how you do those because they don't allow you to give out brochures and stuff when you come and do those talks. If you're lucky, though, they do feed you. So that's one we're going to talk about because I do a lot of that and it's kind of, it's fun to do. Uh, and you meet a lot of people and you end up getting a lot of clients out of that kind of a program. And, and I've, I've gotten quite a few speaking engagements also. Yeah, that's excellent, especially from the point of view that, you know, we can look at that and here's this opportunity to get up. And I, I hate to use this phrasing, but very often the talks that they usually have at these types of events, they're very dry, they're very dull, maybe they're governmental in nature, and for us to go in with that kind of as the backing, as that kind of as the basis, we have the ability to give them an experience. Oh. We have the ability to demonstrate something, to share stories, and it's already enough that the hypnosis is this unique thing that they usually don't have to talk about, but on top of that, to give them the experience, that just produces much better results. Yeah, and I always give them a takeaway, something that they can actually go back and physically use uh, for relaxation, for sleep, or whatever, and and that really gets out because the ones who try it do get benefits from it, and, the, and they put that out. And of course, the other thing we're going to talk about is we get, we've gotten quite a few government contracts. Most of them are uh, local government, which is actually the best. Uh, so we're going to talk about how do you make money, how do you prepare for that, who can you get to help you with that that's free. So we're going to do about an hour on government contracts and the processes that you go through and how do you find out where they're at and how do you utilize them. And we've got some fairly large ones, so we're excited about sharing that with people. And then, of course, the last one I think is the key is we're also put together a whole new concept on doing a corporate uh, and government uh, stress management program, mm. a little bit unique. Um, and we took it from our – and it can be turned into an anger management program or uh, anywhere from a two-hour to an eight-hour program. And we've had some work with, with that with organizations that have had us come in and actually do a full day for their, uh, uh, for, for their organization before they start their actual week-long conference. So we go in on Thursday or Friday, and then they do their conference on Thursday, Friday, Friday. Uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday. And that's been a lot of fun, and, and they pay good for those, too. So that's, that's always something nice to know. And, and I want to point this out here, that th this is one of those things that when I spent time with you a couple of years ago, it was just wonderful to be in the space where the conversations were in terms of bigger contracts. There's There was a funny thing that just popped up in one of the Facebook groups where someone was asking, uh, what does it take for a hypnotist to make six figures? And everyone's responses were mostly in the themes of dollars per hours, of, um, you know, see this many clients a week for this many weeks of the year. Uh, but you were one of the most, you, you were one of the ones that I heard talking in 
thousands, if not tens of thousands of conversations about what's possible. And it just encourages that, uh, what I like to now call big game hunting, just that bigger picture thinking that we can take the hypnosis and we can bring it to all different markets. And just the only limitation is our own imagination of what is possible. Yeah, you just got to know your market because I've lost some big ones too because I didn't do my homework on the on the people I was working with. So <laughs> I can give you the things not to do that I've uh, done <laughs> as well oh, as God. the things that you need to do. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just did a, a, a this last month in June. We did we took a contract for uh, all my expenses plus ten thousand dollars. Well. I got my expenses because I refused to buy my own plane ticket and buy my own hotel. I said, "You pay for that up front." I'm still waiting for my ten grand, though. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you seen that they yet? They didn't hear the word "and." And that's so, a, like, I think this is the only one I've ever done where I didn't take payment up front. I usually always get my payment up front, and I didn't do it this time, and I'm paying for it. Yeah. Well, we're here today with Ron Esslinger. Well, Captain Ron Esslinger, retired of the U.S. Navy. Uh, Ron's a certified registered nurse anesthetist, board certified hypnotist, uh, master instructor through the NGH. And the one thing that probably most people know from you is the work with hypnotic pain management. And I kind of wanted to kick things off of just kind of asking what I found to be something that I was guilty of when I first got started, but it seems as I interact with more and more people that there are many hypnotists that kind of put pain management, pain relief, pain control, whatever we choose to call it, they put it up on this pedestal of something they're almost afraid to work on. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. First of all, why do you think that that fear would often exist in the hypnotist? A misunderstanding would be the simplest word, but they also don't understand the basis of pain. So if they do enough reading and they read a, a thing about hypnosis, I found out you cannot be lineal with taking somebody you really like and moving down that that path. You've got to have lots of branches, lots of roots that go out to a lot of different people. I learn when I go to the gill. I learn from people who's the first time they've ever spoken. I've learned from people who've been there from day one and are still speaking. The thing about it is, is understanding that hypnosis basically is good for anything. I don't care what it is. <laughs> Nothing else to take care of the 80 to 85% of the problem that everybody has. Now, you can guess what that is, but if you can work with stress, you can work with pain. And if you're going to work with stress, the best tool that you have, even according to the National Institutes of Health, is Hypnotic or relaxation techniques. So I go into a, to a, to a pain client knowing the very first thing that I need to know is I already have the best tool that's ever going to be used, and that's hypnosis and relaxation. Now, the other side of that is learning, okay, now I've got to find out where they're coming from. So I've had great successes, but I'll tell you they've all not been successes because some people are not ready to give up the reward, the secondary gain, or they're even fear of what do I do if I don't have this to lean back on. Now, uh, if you go to my blog, if you go to my uh, resources page, there's lots of stories, lots of testimonies, but most of them are like case studies. Uh, I had a recent one. I had a recent uh, guy who came, spent a week with me, and it was like and what made him so unique was he was probably one of the most highly hypnotizable people I've worked with. That was what made this so unique. But he was finding reasons for this not to work, but wouldn't look at reasons mm. why he wanted it to work. 
and he was a, a young, uh, a very young man, and he just did not want to go, and he would find excuses, well, he's not getting rapport with me. And I'm thinking, well, that could be, you know, I'm just an old country guy back here in the States. <laughs> but uh, the thing about it was, this is a guy that when I used heart math on, he green-lined, and what that means is he never got out of a highly hypnotizable state. When I took an Alice clamp, which has teeth on it, and clamped it on his hand, he never had any idea it was there. But he would not transfer that to another area of his body. And, and what he refused to do was make the decision, okay, and, and create the belief, yes, I can get better even with all of these things. So he's the only one actually for pain that I've ever had that did not move forward to either their functional level or get rid of it all together. So those are the things that you never know. But he's the only one I've had that's gone there. Most of them will get 100% relief the first time just because it may not last but a couple of minutes, but then they know they can. Just Yeah, then they know it's possible. Yeah, just because they relax those muscles and take the stress off of the nerves and off of the bones. So for those people who have a fear, I think a lot of that comes from they don't believe it themselves. That's a, a key. And that was this guy. Yeah. I just don't believe this would work on me. So every time I'd say something, his own thought just overrode what I said. He did not want to. I don't care how deep you go into hypnosis. You're not going to accept any suggestion you don't want to accept. And he was not ready to accept that that suggestion. Then the other, I think another component of that, perhaps just to share, is that often we'd put it up on this pedestal of that. You know, it's kind of not in the same category of a lot of things we work on. Is the fear of flying gone? Yes or no. Did they quit smoking? Yes or no. And working with pain is more of an incremental conversation that just. 40, 50, even 60% improvement. Hey, for some people, even 20% improvement in their quality of living, that's going to change everything for that person. Oh, absolutely. But what they do learn from that, as you alluded to earlier, if they learn that they're 20% better, then they know also it's their decision where they get better better than the 20% because now they know they can. The question then becomes, why do they choose not to use that tool to go further into what they're doing by either using direct suggestions, metaphors, getting rid of some of the anger and rage in their life. But for the hypnotist, a lot of it's just, some of them don't know what they need to read. Most of them have never used hypnosis on themselves. And I think that's one of the things that makes me very good as a pain practitioner is the fact that I use hypnosis daily. I have used it for pain. I have used it to overcome cancer. I've used it uh, for headaches. And uh, I've used it, I use it on a regular basis. So if one of my clients say, well, when have you used it? I can say, well, well, last week I got attack a sciatica and I hadn't had that since I, since the uh, mid-80s. And I said, I took myself, I set myself down and I created in my mind what I needed to be better and it went away that quick. And I, I, I work with too many hypnotists that never use self-hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Even this week, and this this really bothers me a lot. Even this week, a very accomplished, very well-known hypnotist was talking to me about something. He asked me this question because he was having some medical problems. And he says, Ron, do you know any good books on self-hypnosis? And I said, so, Mr. So-and-so, I didn't know his <laughs> name. And I says, are you telling me that you've been doing the hypnosis for like 30 years and you are asking me what book to read. Why do you even need a book? You should be able to write a book. 
if you're a hypnotist, you should ought to be able to write a book on self-hypnosis. But a lot of hypnotists don't even teach self-hypnosis to their clients, which I also find almost malpractice. But mm. it's it's being able if you can use it with yourself, and that means willing to use it with yourself. Your belief increases. Your belief will fall into that client, and that client will get better. But you've got to read, you've got to listen, you've got to go to the conferences. And the one thing that most people don't want to do is the number one thing that people have got to do, and that's how work. You've got right. got a plan to work and work a plan. Yeah. Hey, here's a question kind of out of nowhere, but it's something that it just tends to pop up in different conversations. I've met many people who say they begin their process by teaching the client self-hypnosis. I work with some people that tell me that they wait to the very end of the process to teach the client self-hypnosis and then some kind of layer it in throughout the process. Um, what I tend to do, at least my style so far, is that generally that's something that's going to come later in our work together. I'll give them some strategies along the way, but a more formal process of self-hypnosis will come toward the end from the position of let's now use this to strengthen the work we've done together, and that's going to build the client's confidence to do it on their own. Just curious to hear your thoughts on when to teach self-hypnosis to your clients. Well, first, I think if you're already doing it, do what works for you <laughs> and, what <Yeah>. you're, <laughs> and what you're comfortable with. I start with self-hypnosis from the first moment I I, uh, I meet them, and, and that's by, by just explaining hypnosis and how they've already used it, how they'll continue to use it, and then I start with, as you know, with my my convincers. But the thing about using the convincers is every time I use the magnetic fingers, which I've had people laugh at me, well, that's going to come together anyway, so big deal. I think, why use it? I use it to find out who's don't come together. <laughs> I work with a lot of nuclear engineers out of the secret city, Oak Ridge, and I work with a lot of um, DOD people. And, and they're all analytical researchers. So, therefore, I've got to find out if they're going to listen to me or if they're going to sit there and say, well, those aren't really magnets. Or, well, one's, both of mine are pluses, so they keep bouncing off of each other. And so, but once they do do what most people do is the fingers come together and they touch and I don't put their hands down, I just say, now, okay, you've just experienced hypnosis again. That's the same way you're going to experience it when I give you some things to do when you go home. Then I do the, the lemon experience because I need to know what their dominant sense is because if I'm going to use visualization, I really need to know how how uh, much they use their hearing. Is their sight dominant? Which I know sight's going to be dominant because 35% of your brain is your visual cortex. But maybe their smell is not dominant. Maybe their taste is not dominant. Maybe their touch is not dominant. But if I'm going to do an imagery, then I need to talk to them in how they see the world. If I'm saying, what, uh, listen to the ocean waves, and they don't use that sense very well, then I need to be watch the waves come in, not listen to the waves and hear them come ashore. Uh, so those are things that, and then once I've done that again, okay, you just experienced hypnosis again. That would still be self-hypnosis because you did it, did it for yourself. And then I do the breathing technique, which I think is the most powerful thing that I do, and uh, they can get that off of my blog. I don't want to take time to go through it. But the whole point about the breathing technique is you do allow them to activate the vagus nerve, which then will stimulate the release of endorphins, melatons, and serotons. Otherwise, our morphines, our Prozacs, and our Ambien's. And then that's what I have them to do. That is my induction from that time on. That is the induction after I teach them that. 
for every session that I do with them. Here's this is what you're going to do. You go into hypnosis. So if they want to do themselves hypnosis at home, all they got to do is three of those breaths, and then I will help them create uh, an affirmation exactly the same way it's taught by the National Guild. And then I will also teach them how to create a mantra that we add pictures to for them to say over and over when when their brain is not busy with some type of beta active work. To me, that's a real quick way to do self-hypnosis. And then when they leave that first day, they get a CD, of course, the one we've done, plus a second one. But with that, I also give them, right out of the NGH book, I've reworded it because I wanted to stay in the present tense. But I just do the QA stuff. Every day and every way, I am better and better. But the key here is, okay, what does better and better look like? And do that as you're falling asleep, and that's going to be your self-hypnotic state as you go through the hypnagogic state going to sleep. So then anytime you take those three take three breaths, the way I talked to you how to take them, and then visualize what it is you want to accomplish, that's realistic and believable. Probably more than you wanted me to say. No, that's fantastic. And the thing I want to highlight there, which is kind of a bigger picture perspective than everything we've talked about, is I want everyone to hear just how much of the research is coming into this, how Already, there have been specific references to the National Institute of Health, uh, to what's going on in the body, the physiology behind it. You know, it's amazing that still it's 2014 and people will call in, and sometimes the conversation begins, well, I don't know if I believe in that hypnosis stuff. And everything you're hearing right now is every reason why we can respond. Well, the concepts of belief are really about 30 or 40 years out of date. We know what's possible within the body. We know what's going on. And to then begin to create our process around that just adds so much more strength to it. Oh, I agree. Uh, there's new terms like you just alluded to, such as neuroplasticity, which, you know, there used to be a time when you're born, you're hardwired, and what you learned that first three to four years is never going to change. Well, we know that's not true now with the research done by Candace Pert and Bruce Lipton. I would say if you want to be a really, really good hypnotist, you need to get out of the psychological side of hypnosis and start reading the biological parts of hypnosis, which come from those two authors, Lipton, L-I-P-T-O-N, Bruce, and Perk, P-E-R-T, Candace. And they are both are biological researchers, and what they've learned about how cells in the body respond to our thoughts is mind-blowing in actuality, and, and I, I try to read and listen to as much of their work and their CDs as I po- and videos as I possibly can because all of a sudden it made sense. Uh, there's a video that most of my clients, not all my clients, but most of them see a couple of scenes out of, and it's just a simple b- uh, video called What in the Bleep Do We Know? And I found that is one of the best tools for allowing people to understand this is why hypnosis works. It's just that simple. It works because here's what's going on when you're talking to yourself. Here's what's going on when you're thinking. Here's what's going on when you're listening to other people. Here's what's going on in your body because we can look at the subconscious mind and look at it as a part. I do a a talk and I've got a, a video called The Pain Brain Connection. And what we're really talking about is there is no pain until it gets to the brain so, therefore, what goes on within the brain, because there is no pain center in the brain, but what there is is a lot of areas, emotional areas, physical areas, um, that uh, that allow us to take in that information and then distribute it to these areas and then respond to it 
in a way that is uh, that meets our basically what we've learned all of our life and our personalities. Because most of us live today as if it was yesterday. So one of the first things I do with people is say, okay, we got to move out of the past. And what we're going to work on today is everything today because when you think about something, your brain doesn't know you're thinking about something that happened 20 years ago. As far as it's concerned, it's happening right now. So that's one of the key aspects of working with pain, understanding that process. And that's why you go to conferences and that's why you read books and that's why you listen to updated material. And oddly enough, from my client session I just wrapped up before calling you right here in my desk, Biology of Belief and Molecules of Emotion. They came up in the process and uh, sent that client a link to go check out uh, What the Belief Do We Know. What I what I like about that video specifically is not only does it show why hypnosis works, but it also helps to show how the client is already doing that. Uh, I, I tend to work from this filter of, you're already doing this stuff. I'm just going to show you how to do it better. Agreed. Totally agree. Excellent. Well, Ron, thanks so much for your time, and I'll see you next week. I look forward to seeing you next week, Jason. You take care, okay? Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Please visit the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast listing on iTunes and share your positive feedback.